Good morning, Connect Church. How are we doing? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Easter, everybody. Thank, thank you for that. Five people that said happy Easter. Thank you. Appreciate that. Happy Easter, everybody. Okay. Wow, thank you. Much better. I feel better. I was getting really nervous how this service was going to go from this point forward. They're literally not paying attention to you. Uh, I want to welcome, first of all, all of our campuses. I don't know if you guys realize this, but we are one church, and our goal is to be many locations. And currently, we are in Framingham and TC, which is our tri-county campus, which is very new, doing incredibly well. Can we say hello to our Fram families, we like to say? TC, what's going on, everybody over there? And, of course, all our online campus as well. Thank you for being with us today in all those locations, and I hope you guys are being blessed today. Congratulations, Framingham, on your new building. I hope you're enjoying that. TC, you guys are doing such a great job breaking attendance records every week over there. We're proud of you. All of us in Ashland, can we give them a warm welcome one more time? Come on, give them your best. We're so proud of you guys. Good job. Well, uh, the house is full today. You know, it's interesting about church. Um, I find this... Uh, you know, kind of funny is people sometimes that are out there that don't come in here, they don't go to church because they have this idea that, that everybody that goes to church is a bunch of hypocrites. Or it's like they say in the South, hypocrites. And, and, and they decide not to do it but because of that. And, and I would just say sometimes that's not very smart. And here's why I think that's not very smart because, uh, you know, I thought about this as, as kind of a gym rat. I, I know some of you guys know that that have been here for a while. But you know, if we went to the gym and we looked in the gym and we said, "Can you believe? Can you believe all those people in there? You know, they're all going to they're all going to the gym and and they're all totally out of shape." In fact, there's a ton of people in there that are a little jiggly. You know, they're a little jiggly in there, and, and and I can't believe all those hypocrites in the gym that are going to the gym when they're all jiggly and out of shape. What hypocrites, right? Nope. Nobody says that, right? Nobody says those kind of things. And, and the, the thing is, maybe that's why the gym exists. Maybe it, it exists for people that are, that are fit, because that's, that's what people say about the gym. All those people trying to get fit, but they're all, a lot of them are a lot, a lot of hypocrites in there. But the truth is, that's what people say about church as well. They look inside the church and they say, look at all those hypocrites in there trying to get spiritually fit. But the truth is, the gym is made for people who aren't fit, and it's made for people who are fit, and the church is too. It's made for both. It's made for people that aren't fit, that are trying to get fit. And I just want to welcome all the Jiggly Christians this morning in the house. You are welcome here. Thank you for coming. Let's all get spiritually fit in Jesus' name. Can I have an amen? Would you bow your heads and let me pray for you. Father, I just ask that you punctuate the word today. Uh, Lord, you wrote everything already in the word. We're simply just putting some punctuation to it on this special day. I pray that you bless every person with a, with a personal word. I pray, you speak, I pray you speak to them individually, Lord, not just corporately. I thank you in advance for what you've already done and what you're going to do, and it's in Jesus, the resurrected Jesus' name, we say amen and amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor say, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> Uh, we we are in a uh, we're in a little series. The series is where we kind of teach the Bible in pieces. So if you're new, uh, we 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 don't teach the whole Bible on one Sunday. That's impossible, and uh, we break it into pieces. And we're in a series called Two Crowns. 
Now, two crowns is really just kind of a, a, a quick snapshot of what happened uh, with Jesus' life and what's going to happen. Jesus actually came to earth, lived a sinless life, died, uh, and then paid the penalty of humanity's sin in a gruesome death on the cross where he was crucified on Good Friday. Good Friday was good for us. It was bad uh, for him. But he died so that he lived to die so that when we die, we could live with him uh, forever. Amen? And, and then ultimately, he, he rose from the dead, and that's what we're celebrating today, and I'll come back to that. Uh, but after his resurrection, uh, he ascended into heaven. And there's a story uh, unpacked, and I'll just highlight it from Acts chapter 1, which has kind of been the, the theme text of our series, where uh, Jesus has spoken a few last words before he ascends into heaven. Literally, like just went up into the sky, and everybody's looking at him. And so he says a few things there, and, and then he, he floats up into heaven. I can't imagine what that would have been like, but you can read it in your Bibles. It's pretty cool. You should read it once in a while. And, and two angels appear right there, and they're basically saying, hey, why are you guys all looking up into the sky? The same way he went up, he's coming back down. Okay, and so our series is basically broken up into three of some of the biggest questions that people have on planet Earth. One is, why did he have to die? Next week, we're going to talk about when is he coming back? Amen? When is he coming back? So you don't want to miss that. I'm going to tell you exactly when he's coming back. No, I'm just kidding. I can't do that. The place would be, you think it's packed now? It would be like, what? We'd have to simulcast in the parking lot. Like, it'd be nuts. No, I can't do that. Nobody can do that. But we're going to talk about the signs, and we're going to talk about the symptoms of his return, which I think are imminent. But, but today, we're going we're gonna, to we're introduce another question today. We're going to talk kind of about the in-between the two crowns, what happens in the middle there. And the, the, under, the understanding of what happens in the middle uh, could lead you to a defining moment. It could lead you to a defining moment. It's really quiet in here. Uh, but... but some of you, has anybody ever had a defining moment? Do you know what I mean by a defining moment? It's like, it's like an alt, a life-altering circumstance that happened. Something that changed the, the course and trajectory of your life. Uh, some experience. I remember, for example, just to put a little levity to the situation because we need it here uh, this morning. It, I remember the first time I had a life-changing experience. I was reading and my wife, um, we're sitting on our couch. My wife noticed that I'm squinting and that I'm struggling to read. Now, I'm 50-something years old, and, and when I turned that corner, uh, uh, I, I, I didn't realize what was going on. All of a sudden, she slips these little readers on, uh, on my eyes, and shazam, I could see. I was just like, this is amazing. The, the whole world that I've been missing and all these things that I, that I couldn't read, well, I, didn't, I didn't know that, 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 that reading could be so enjoyable. My life was changed. I, I remember another defining moment that was really amazing in my life. I remember, uh, and I'll preface this by just saying that um, I used to be a little bit bigger than I am today. And, 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 and so jeans, to me, were basically like um, straight jackets for my lower body. Okay? Um, you know, I lived to deadlift and squat and pick things up and put them down. And so... The, the idea of wearing jeans was just like, it was horrible. And then so I had a friend, and he introduced, it was like Nacho Libre. He introduced me to stretchy pants. <laughs> I didn't know that jeans, you can have stretchy material for jeans. I was like, it was as if somebody had been lying to me my whole life. 
You didn't know? I thought it was just for women. No, you can have stretchy jeans. And, and now I have stretchy suits and, and stretchy pants and stretchy, silky, stretchy shirts. And my whole life has been changed by stretchy material. Turn to your neighbor and say, I feel what he's saying to me right now. It was a defining moment. <laughs> Some of you have had defining moments. You know, you know these different things that have happened to you. I remember when food could be delivered to my house, gourmet meals. Changed my life. I've been doing it for, what, two and a half years now. I, I remember when Amazon, my wife prays that Amazon would close because Amazon is at my house every day of my life. Amazon changed my life. Heated seats and heated steering wheels, those were defining moments in my life. You've all had defining moments in your life, yes or no? Think about those defining moments. But if you, obviously I'm having fun and there's been greater defining moments than this. But if you took all the defining moments in your life and your neighbor's life and the people that are sitting on your road today and you were to compile them and you were to gather them together, they all combined pale in comparison to the greatest defining moment in human history of which we're going to talk about today. In fact, the moment I'm about to describe not only changed my life, it's changed millions, billions of people's lives, countries, continents, cultures, colors of people have been changed by a defining moment. The single greatest moment in human history is when Jesus Christ, come on somebody, rose from the dead. Your faith is not based on faith. Your faith is not based on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Your faith is based on an event that a man who said he was going to die and come back to life, actually did that. It was a defining moment. And so I want to talk about a question. What is so important about the resurrection? But I want to talk about it through this lens. What's so important about it to you? What's so important about the resurrection to you? And I want to do something because I'm at a disadvantage when you talk, about, when you talk on Easter at all. Because uh, everybody comes and everybody knows what you're going to talk about. And so I want to talk about the resurrection. It's funny to me as a communicator to you. It's not funny at all. In fact, it's highly stressful. I stayed up all night, you know, about this. But anyway, I want to talk about it from a different perspective and a different location in the Bible. I'm going to talk about it from the end of the Bible, Revelation uh, chapter 1, if you want to follow with me. This is an amazing, um, first of all, the context for this text. This is an amazing text. But John... The beloved, he's the one who, he boasts a lot about being close to Jesus. Every time he referred to himself as Jesus' beloved, and he thought he was Jesus' favorite. You know those kind of people that are, they think they're the favorite? But anyway, that's John. But John, after Jesus, this is after Jesus has uh, been resurrected. Jesus appears, John is, by the way, on the Isle of Patmos. He's suffering for his faith. Uh, there's, there's a lot of persecution at this particular point in time in the history of the church. And the Bible says that, that, that Jesus appears to him in his, as we just sang about, glorified body, his resurrected body. Jesus appears to John while he's there on the Isle of Patmos suffering. And it says this, he, 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 um, he's, by the way, he's got eyes of fire, the Bible says, hair like wool, a sword coming out of his mouth. This is different. This is not the Jesus that we knew before. Walking and talking, you know, and hanging out and, you know, and, and, and eating meals together and, and doing fish fries along the water and stuff like that. No, that's not that Jesus. This is a different Jesus right now. Is everybody tracking with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm tracking, Pastor. All right. So Revelation 1, here's what happens. Verse 17, it says, when I saw him, John saw Jesus. He said, I fell 
I fell at his feet as dead. Basically, that means he passed out. He passed out. Now, obviously, he comes back to life because there's another verse. But he, he laid, Jesus laid his hands on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. Why is it that the Bible always says don't be afraid when they do something that you're terrified of? <laughs> Popping through walls, swords out of mouth, don't be afraid. Okay, Jesus, whatever. <laughs> he says, Jesus says, I'm the first and the last. I was there in Genesis. I'm going to be there when this whole thing's over. I am he who lives and was dead. So Jesus declares, I was, I am, I, I'm alive. And I was dead. By the way, our, uh, all the other gods are dead. Ours is the only God that is still alive. Everybody else's God is dead. All the other religions of the world. Nobody makes that claim. Are you with me, everybody? And then he says, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. He, he amens himself. That's what I have to do sometimes when things don't go well at church. I have to amen myself. <laughs> and so I want you to marinate on this next point because... This next part of the verse, because this, this, you know, this isn't about just going to church, dressing up on a Sunday morning, wearing your Sunday best. It's not just about holiday and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't, this wasn't just another mission here. It wasn't just that he conquered uh, uh, death uh, with his life. No, he, he did something significant here. The Bible says that he snatched the keys to hell and to the grave. This is the thing that I want you to see from Revelation that John's trying to reveal to you and I. Jesus did so much more than you realize sometime. He took the keys from hell and the grave. He says, I have the keys of Hades and death. In other words, I hold the keys to everything in your life that would say, this is a living hell right now I'm in. This is bad. This is really, really bad. Everything in my life that is dying, Jesus is saying, I hold the keys to that. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is good preaching. And keys, by the way, unlock things. So whatever has you imprisoned, whatever is holding you back, whatever is restraining, constraining, restricting you, Jesus is saying, I am he who was dead, am now alive, and I've got keys to that. Can I have an amen at all locations? Amen. Why do we do this? Why is this so important? Because I don't want to just talk about the resurrection. Jesus is saying, I want you to experience one. That's what, that's what Easter's more about than you guys realize the best way to celebrate Easter isn't just what happened to him. It's what can happen in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, that means you too. That means you too, okay? Yeah, turn to your second choice, even them. So here's our big idea, and i got to unpack this in 20 minutes, okay? Here's the big idea. Only Jesus can resurrect whatever is dead in you. Only, only he can do that. That's what's so important about resurrection power. So my question is, as we get into this, apply it to yourself. What is dead? What's dying inside of you? We can talk for hours about this, especially our problems, because we like to talk about our problems. But what is dead? What's dying? What's, 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 what's progressively dying in your life? We all have that potential. We all probably have something that's going on in our life that's not working out, and it's like a progressive death. And I want to give you three types of deaths I know it sounds a little morbid, but, but stay with me. Three types of, of things that can die or are already dead in your life. I think a lot of times people have a resignation. There's something already dead in their life. Sometimes the death can be emotional. Everybody say emotional. This is where you're stressed out. This is, these are the people that you, they don't have to say a word, but they do. They say, this is what they do. They go, <sighs> you know, there's all that, a lot of sighs, a lot of deep breathing. A lot of sleepless nights. 
People having a hard time sleeping. They're at, they don't have disease, they have dis-ease. Dis-ease will eventually become disease. We don't have cancer of the body before we have cancer of the minds. A lot of times these things are uh, uh, precursors to a deeper problem. Sometimes, actually, when I'm preparing, I'm thinking about people that are alive. Sometimes when I'm preparing, it's kind of a pro communication tip for anybody that cares. But sometimes I don't try to talk to everybody. I just try to talk to one person. And sometimes the Holy Spirit, when I'm preparing a message, will give me one person to be communicating to. And I was thinking about a particular person in my life, persons actually, but one in particular right now, who you're experiencing an emotional death, a progressive emotional death. It feels like, like, like something's dying on the inside of you and you can't get out of it. And I just want you to know, sir, that God holds the keys to that part of your life. And he holds that keys to that part of your life if you're in this room as well. Are you with me, everybody? God sees. God sees you. And then there could be a relational death. Everybody say relational. relational. Something's gone awry in your relationships. Maybe you lost someone very recently. Maybe you split up with someone recently. Maybe you're going through, yeah, like a... A, a, a divorce of some type or an actual divorce of some type, and you're still feeling the effects of that. Maybe it's literal. Uh, maybe it's figurative. And so you're, uh, you're grieving. You're hurting. You're in pain. Uh, there, there's, it's your hell right now in your life. Did he just say hell in church? Yes, in the right context, though. Okay? And, so, and, and people who have had significant relational pain know this to be true, that, it's, that relational pain is worse than physical pain. There's a pain that, that, kid pain, for example, if you're a parent, when you're going through difficulties with your kids. There's no pain like kid pain if you've had kids. I have, I have four grown children, three grandsons, and, and, and I'm telling you, there's nothing worse. Like, I, 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 I take an organ from me, cut my leg off sometimes. But, but the pain sometimes that have happened with kids, God, love those kids. They've caused me some pain at different times. Thank God it's all worked out for good. Amen. But I'm just, I'm just trying to get you to see God holds the keys to those relational problems, those relational issues that you're experiencing in your life that are weighing you down. Yet there's one more death. Everybody say one more. And I'm especially drawn to this one because of my role and calling in life. But that's a spiritual death. There are people that are, are spiritually dead. They're very much alive, physically alive. They breathe the air. They're sucking air, taking up space, abusing God's grace every single day. And they're mentally alive. They're thinking and they're, they're operating with their human faculties, but they're spiritually dead. There are all over this planet today the walking dead. They're everywhere. I remember when that movie came out, Sixth Sense. Uh, many years ago, and this little boy had this classic line, and he, could, he would say, I see dead people. And I won't say what particular type of funeral uh, that I would go to, but sometimes uh, the, the people that are in the room, I can, as a pastor, ministering hope in a difficult situation, because the Bible says we don't mourn uh, with those or grieve with those without hope. What, what is our hope? Our hope is in Jesus Christ and the resurrection, and that's why we get over those difficult situations, and we only mourn for a season, because we know one day we'll see them and be together as a family. Heaven is simply a massive family reunion. But some people don't have those hope. They, they're grieving and mourning without hope. And when I, I can literally look at their faces and see dead people. Because there's a spiritual death. And they haven't received 
the resurrection power that comes and the confidence that comes. And when there is that, people feel separated from God, far from God. Uh, they can be next to a Bible, sitting in a church, but they can feel millions of miles away uh, from the one who created them. And this is a critical area because the spirit part of you lives forever. Let me introduce you to that thought. You are actually a spiritual being having a human experience. You have to choose in the human experience where your spirit will reside forever. That's why Jesus came, to make a way for you to be in right standing with God, and more importantly, to be with God uh, forever. Are you with me, everybody? And so this, 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 this particular death, spiritual death, costs the most. That's why Jesus, what he did is so important and resurrection is so critical to that. So here's another point. There's one who holds the keys. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, and if, everybody say if. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. In other words, the same energy, power, whatever you want to call it, that it took to raise Jesus from the dead. That same power can confront every dead situation, dying situation that you would face in your life. So the same one who did that, who raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to everything and anything that is dying in your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Who lives in you. So I just want you to know that's what Easter is all about. It's not just an event. And I love that part of it. And I celebrate the fact that our, that our faith is based on, on more than the teachings of Jesus or the testimonies of people. It's, it's based on an event. It's more. It's the same spirit that was present 2,000 years ago is alive today, 2,000 years later, to bring life to you and to your dead situations that you would face. Amen, amen, amen. Let me show you somewhere else. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. I love this. This is from the paraphrase translation of the Bible. Uh, it says, it stands to reason, verse 11, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, it's almost like takes residence, uh, given the keys, you have the key to the door to your life. But God will never barge into your home and into your life. He, you, the, the handle to, to the door to your heart is on the inside. Only you can open it. But when you do, he will move into your life. And the Bible says he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. Listen, Jesus got up. That means you can get up. You can get up again too. Your emotions can come back, sir. Whatever those things that are dead, your emotion, your relationships can come back to life and be restored. Your money uh, can be, and resources can be restored because of what your prayers can be answered again. Because Jesus got up, you can get up again. Okay, I'm not just preaching, I'm telling the truth, everybody. Amen. So then it goes on to say, when God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from a dead life. That word dead life, it's like an oxymoron, it's like jumbo shrimp. Like, which one is it, dead or alive? You know, like, why, why is that in there like that? And, and the point is, he can deliver you from this walking dead status, this dead life status. Why? How? With his spirit living in you and in your body, which, which is only partially alive without Christ, but with him you'll be alive in Christ. And so, again, just reiterating, the best way to celebrate Easter is to have your own resurrection. And, and, and you got to come back to life. We have a phrase that's kind of like, surface because of stories and testimonies, but people will say, what happened? And you say, I was loved back to life. People, they were saying I was dead. 
I think of I faces in my mind of people in this church that said, I was just loved back to life. They're basically saying they, were, they came back to, I think of a song, too, uh, by Soul to Soul back in the day because I'm an 80s lover. But anyway, I won't go there. But, but <laughs> you guys don't even, some of you appreciate it. Some of the young people just said, what in the heck was that? Uh, but, but I'm just trying to say he wants you to come back to life. So how? That's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about. Let me show you the how, okay? And, and, and let me go to this verse from John chapter 14, verse 19. Um, and th- and this, this, this verse has produced uh, songs that have gone around the world. There's one old hymn that I love so much. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You know that song? Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen. That's an old one I didn't expect to sing, but anyway, back in the day. Uh, so Jesus, before this verse, he's having a foot washing. This is Thursday night before Good Friday. This is the last and final supper. And he says to them, he tells them what's coming, even though they didn't know or paid attention. He says, a little while longer and the world will see me no more. Because why? Because he's going to die. But you will see me. Why? Because he's going to rise. And then look at this next phrase, stare at it, take it in, it's for you. He says, because I live, what? You will live also. You will live also. So I want you to know today, because he lives, you can face tomorrow. Because he lives, you don't have to be lonely anymore. Because he lives, you don't have to die inside. Because he lives, you can, come, you can be loved back to life. Because he lives, everything that is inside you, that is dead or dying, can be brought back to life, can be resurrected. So, two key takeaways, practical and inspirational, quickly. What's so important about the resurrection of you and me? Number one, if he didn't come out of the grave, you won't get out of your grave either. If he didn't come out of the grave, you won't get out of your, your grave either. I heard a story about a guy coming home. He decides to take a short t- shortcut. He goes through the cemetery, and he doesn't know, but there happened to be an open grave in preparation for a funeral the next day. He trips and falls into the grave. It's pitch black. It's in the middle of the night, and he scraps and scrapes, trying to get out of the grave. And, and after hours and hours and hours, he ends up sitting down on one end of the grave on a little pile of dirt, exhausted. Well, unbeknownst to him, another guy comes through the cemetery, same idea, going to take a shortcut to go home, falls into the same grave, but on the other side, goes through the same experience, scrapping and scraping, and him and Han trying to get out of this stinking grave, and, and he can't seem to get out, and finally he sits on the opposite end on a pile of dirt, totally exhausted, and a voice from the darkness says, you will never be able to get out of here. But he did. <laughs> and 2,000 years ago, Satan put Jesus in a tomb. And he thought he had him. He thought he was sealed in there. And a voice from the darkness came out of the shadows and said, Jesus, you will never be able to get out of this tomb. But I'm here to say in front of everybody in this room, he did. Jesus did get out of the grave. And because he got out of the grave, you can too. Can I have a big amen? And our faith hinges on this reality. Nobody follows uh, and, and dedicates their life to a corpse. He's not, a, he's not just a, a dead savior. He's a risen Lord. Nobody falls according. Peter didn't fall. Peter, who denied 
ultimately died for his faith. He denied Jesus while Jesus uh, uh, told him this would happen. And then later he dies crucified upside down for his faith. Doubting Thomas died for his faith. All of the disciples except one were either tortured or crucified. Why would they do this? Because he was a corpse? They did it because they, they couldn't stop talking about what the Bible says in Acts chapter 4. What they both seen and heard. They were convinced that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God and that he rose. And yes, he appeared, according to Scripture and historical records, to 500 different people after his resurrection in 13 different locations. But more than that, the defining moment is that the greatest revolution on planet Earth was a result of this resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Does it make sense? Why would people do it? Why would people follow him? Because, because he came out of the grave. If he didn't rise, there's no hope. And when he did rise, he rose resurrected. He rose different. And this glorified resurrected body is a picture of what life can be and will be for us ultimately. Are you with me, everybody? One day, Jesus had a glorified body revealed to John in the first uh, uh, text that we talked about. But one day, you'll have a glorified body. Ladies, no more wrinkles. Come on, somebody. That's, that's, that's some good news for some ladies in this house. They're like, man, I've been spending some money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Guys, no extra tire, you know? You really will look good. Not you think you look good. You really will look good. Guys can have a tire and still look in the mirror and think they look good. You don't look that good, okay? <laughs> you'll get hair again. Yeah, right. You'll get hair again. I'm good with being bald because God the Father looks down from heaven and he sees the glory of the Lord shining on my head. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> the glorified body uh, reveals to us Jesus could, could, could travel quickly. He could walk through walls. Uh, he ate food. All these things we saw, and it kind of gives us a picture of the future. Jesus was talking to people. One of the ways that you'll know and you'll recognize people with their glorified body, because they're going to look a little different, they're going to look a lot better, is they'll talk. You'll be able to recognize them because they'll, they'll, they'll speak, and you'll recognize them that way. I, I heard this little boy story. He was asked by the doctor. His father was was had just recently uh, gone to his deathbed and the doctor said to the little boy uh, did your father have any last words you know while he was there and the boy replied nope uh, mom was with him right to the end <laughs> nobody gets that okay maybe that'll go over better in the second service okay <laughs> praise the lord anyway uh, so let me let me let me tell you this resurrection thing has messed people up for a long time Riddle, rid, religious leaders uh, had problems with this. There was a group of men known as the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. And, and so, oh, that one went over better. Okay, praise the Lord. I'll keep that one for next time. And uh, there's this story in Mark chapter 12, verse 18, where they pitch this question at Jesus. Uh, they're like, so if the resurrection's true, if, uh, if a woman's husband dies... And the husband has seven brothers. If he dies uh, and there's no children, the law says that the brother should marry her and produce children. And that's kind of how it should go. But what if every single brother, after he marries her, dies without producing offspring? First of all, I would have said, God, there's something wrong with that lady. But anyway, <laughs> I'll get to heaven and ask him about that. But 
So then he gets to the end of it, the end of this particular text, and, and, and it's basically there's seven brothers all died, no offspring, and then the woman dies. And so, he's, so they ask the question, Jesus, who, who will be her husband in heaven? And they're like, ha-ha, we got him, we got him right now. And he's like, you guys are stupid. This is my translation paraphrase. You don't even know the scriptures, nor do you know the power of God. There is no marriage in heaven. And, and, but, but what stuck, <laughs> wow, I hope you're alone. I hope you're by yourself, because if you're not, you're going to be. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This is taking a whole new life of its own. Wow. We have a class on EQ. It takes place in our small groups. Oh, my gosh. All right. <laughs> what? is happening in the service. I have things to do. Okay. What pops out at me, among many things, is that everybody in this, everybody in this story dies, and, and, and Jesus kind of is like, you're missing the whole point here. In fact, it says in Hebrews chapter 9 that it's appointed unto every man to die, and after that, the judgment. The truth is, everybody eventually comes to this point where the final buzzer blows. Expiration date is on all of us. The question is, are, are we ready for that? That's why the resurrection is so important. Do we die and just go six feet under the ground? You're really going to bank your eternity on that? that? I, I think that's crazy. And why would this man uh, come and do what he did and die the way he did? And if it's true that he actually came back, you need to investigate that because it's very significant. Many years ago in the lower, lower levels of this building, I was praying with a friend of mine who was suffering from stage four cancer. And he became a close friend. And I basically asked him, what do you fear most as a stage four cancer patient? He says, well, it's an eventuality, you know, that I'm, an inevitability that one day I'm going to die, whether it's now or later. The thing that I fear most, Pastor Derek, is not getting dead. It's being dead. It's the finality of that. And that's why the resurrection is so important because either intentionally or accidentally we're going to come to that day and whether we're ready or not is up to us. And I remember just being able to lead my friend to the way, the truth, and the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. And he bent, literally bent his knee in my office and we prayed. And we prayed to receive Jesus Christ by grace through faith. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 if you need references. And he did what the Bible says. And he felt that assurance come into his life. And I can remember saying, I can remember saying to him, Kevin, now you may not like getting dead. But because of what you've received and what Jesus did for you, you never have to fear being dead again. Are you with me, everybody? Amen. And I would just say to everybody listening, everybody here, do you have that confidence? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you do have that confidence, says this. It says, oh, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is law. But for those of us who have that confidence, thank, thanks be to God, which gives us that have that, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You may hate getting dead, but you never have to fear being dead ever again. And so there's an important step that many of us miss and that we don't see. And I want to give you this quickly. The second point will go very quickly. But Jesus modeled something for us that is the key to you receiving the keys that unlock the door, the resurrection power to things that are dying and dead in your life. And here's the idea. Number two, if you can die to you, he can live through you. 
See, before Jesus went to Golgotha, the, the place of skull where he died on the cross, many people don't realize he actually died to himself in Gethsemane. In Gethsemane, he died to himself. On Golgotha, he died physically for the sins of the world. He gave his life. And if you and I can die to you, then Jesus can, in fact, live through you as well. He experienced a different type of death. He didn't try to do it in his own strength. He didn't try to overcome all these uh, types of death on his own. No, he gave up so God could give something in turn to him. And you are fourth and inches from a transformational touchdown if you can apply the same secret sauce to your life that Jesus did in this situation. He willingly chose to die to himself before he died physically. That's the secret, and that same secret is there for you. Are you with me? Amen. And this crucified life, which is the ongoing surrendered life, is preceded by a decision to surrender your life. You first have to decide. You must fully decide to surrender. And here's the benefit. Here's what happens. John 12, 24 says, are you still with me, everybody? Amen. It says this, Jesus speaking, I tell you for certain, you can count on this in other words, that a grain of wheat that falls on the ground will never be more. You'll never be more. Nothing more will come into your life. No, you won't have that abundant life, that blessing in your life. Then one grain, unless it dies. Everybody say dies. But if it dies, big if there, big two-letter powerful word, it produces a lot, a lot of wheat. But here's what happens with people. If you love your life, you will lose it. If you give it up, you will be given eternal life. And so what happens is there's this muscle in your body. It's the most powerful muscle in your body, and it's your will. It's the most It's more powerful than your quadriceps and your deltoids and your pectoral. Don't get me going, okay? It's powerful. And that will is always has wants and desires and wishes. And what Jesus modeled for you and he's modeling for me, if you will give up your ways, your wants, your plans, and if you will put them at the cross, if you'll put them at the cross, then God will give you something much more. It's a certainty that he will give you more back. And whatever you're going through, the, every, the, the things that you need to get through, the things that need to work through you are a result of God dying, of you dying to you. For that to happen, you've got to die to you. And so Jesus in Gethsemane says, you know, it's, 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 if there's a way to take this cup from me, please do. But not my will, but yours be done. I don't know what your cup is today. What are your issues? What are, your, what, are your, what are the things that are killing you inside? But if you'll give that over to the Lord and say, it's not about me. I die to me so you can live through me. God will give you that same resurrection power and the keys to unlock those situations in your life. But many won't. You know why? Because we're comfortable sailing along as the captain of our ship. Isn't that the truth? Most people think they got it when they don't really got it, and eventually they come to the conclusion they don't got it. In, in my final story, let me just say this. There was a captain of a ship, and, and he, was, he, was, he was in a dark night on the ship with many people on it, and he saw some faint lights in the distance that were kind of on his trajectory, and he, he ordered the signalmen uh, to communicate uh, to them to, to move to the south 10 degrees because there was going to be an intersection of these two lights. And the, 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 the response came back and said for the captain to move 10 degrees to the north. The captain was irritated and 
said, signal back, I'm a captain, move 10 degrees to the south. The signal comes back and the reception comes back, I'm a third class uh, sail sailor, I'm telling you to move 10 degrees to the north. Now the captain's really upset with this lower class person and he basically says, I'm the captain of a battleship, move 10 degrees to the south. And the signal came back, I'm a lighthouse, move 10 degrees to the north. Jesus Christ is a lighthouse. And in order for you to get your life worked out and back on track, you're going to have to alter your course. Would you stand to your feet? Would you let me pray for you as we conclude this service today? With campus pastors in all locations coming to the front, everywhere, Framingham, TC, online. God bless you and thank you for being with us uh, this Easter. With every head bowed, with every eye closed in the room. God may have customized an Easter experience for you. But my question to you is, and maybe this has happened at one point in your life, but maybe it needs to be refreshed. Maybe it's never happened before. But have you fully surrendered your life? For God to work through you, you have to die to you. To come out of the grave and experience that resurrection power, you're going to have to alter your course, sir, ma'am, boy, girl. And that's why you're here today on Easter. It's not just to put on your Sunday best and sing some songs and go and have and break bread with friends and loved ones. It's more than that. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he did so you could have the keys to unlock the different situations, the things that are dying and maybe even dead in your life. And that is preceded by you saying, I surrender. I'm willing to alter my course to Jesus, the lighthouse of my life. If that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just between me, you, and God, would you say, Pastor, I'm ready to receive Jesus Christ as the Savior, the one who paid for my sins, as also the King, the one who was resurrected and one day will come back, not as a Savior, but as a judge. And I want to take this opportunity right now, Pastor, to make sure I'm in right standing with God by surrendering everything to him right now. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I don't want to go out of here today. God bless you. Good night. God bless you. Good night. Don't let me miss it. Don't be bold because God sees your hand and I see your hand and it's so important. All over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage all the way in the back. Yes, ma'am. I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand over there. Thank you for your courage. Yes, all the way up on the front here. Thank you for your courage. So good. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. That's so good. Lord, just put your hand on your heart. Let me pray for you. And we're going to sing that forever he is glorified, forever he is lifted high. But right now, let's just offer ourselves to God. Just say this. Say, Jesus. Say it loud like you mean it. Say, Jesus, today I recommit and I commit my life to you. I choose this day to alter my course, to fully surrender to Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. I thank you in advance for salvation that was purchased for me. I pray that whatever is dead or whatever is dying would come back to life. And I thank you for the keys because I surrendered my life to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Come on, let's give them our best. Come on, let's rejoice. Amen.